Oh, let's get it. Monday, May 3rd, 2021. Born the Battle, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope you had a great week outside of podcast land. It's a little bittersweet as closing went down last week on my house in Charlotte. Uh, That was my military transition city. Loved my neighbors, the company I worked for, and the people I worked with. But it uh, it was time to move on. And doing what I do now was a pretty big pull. I'll never forget my time there. And who knows, maybe I'll move back to that area someday. Don't know if we had any new ratings since our last episode. It doesn't seem like it. But I did discover a new review out in Canada. Apparently, you can only see it if you're in Canada, maybe. I don't know. But when I look at Apple Podcasts on the phone or computer, I don't see it. But the third-party tracker that I use for the podcast sees it. So I'm just going to run with it. The review is from Kana Miggy. Kana Miggy. Sure glad I found this podcast as it is very interesting and worthwhile listening to. The host is a good interviewer. Uh, thank you for being the first Canadian review, Kanamigi, and I appreciate the compliment. Now, my interview side is coming out. What did you find interesting and worthwhile? Was it the information, the guests, questions I have for the guests? I have questions for you. Just curious. As always, appreciate the feedback every week, especially with the Apple Podcast Reviews. They're not only a good way to communicate directly with your show, and it is your show, but those reviews help get Born the Battle recognized by more veterans in podcast land by bringing us higher in the algorithms on the app. So I appreciate the reviews and the feedback in advance. News releases, we got one. And I don't know how they kept track for this, but the VA Voluntary Service has surpassed 1 billion hours with a B of volunteerism in service to veterans. For those that don't know what VA Voluntary Service is, it's a volunteer program within VA that mainly serve veterans at VA medical facilities. I would say the best examples of these volunteers uh, that you would see at a VA medical center are the Red Coat Ambassadors that you see as soon as you walk into a VA medical facility. They're the ones that are at the information desk, helping you sign in, helping you find your way around. Maybe some of them have golf carts and help elderly veterans to get to their vehicles out in the parking lot. They do those functions and so much more. Matter of fact, one of my editors and a blog writer for the podcast is on the program, is in the program. They graduated from school and still wanted to help serve this podcast and we're grateful for them. Last year alone, there were over 46,000 volunteers within the program that contributed more than 4.4 million hours of service to veterans. So VA Voluntary Services surpassed 1 billion volunteer hours within its 75 years. Big thank you to the program, to the volunteers. And if you'd like to know more about VA Voluntary Service, please visit volunteer.va.gov. All right. So I'm really excited about this week's benefits breakdown on VA's interest rate reduction and refinance loan, also known as the EARL. If you're like me, you have a VA home loan, 
and you get spammed every week with refinancing mailers and ads because interest rates are at historic lows. However, before I just jumped at the first thing I saw, the first, you know, great deal I saw, I wanted to not only talk with some other veterans who have used VA's interest rate reduction and refinance loan, I also knew that with our benefits breakdown series, I could talk with the VA loan guarantee service, much like we did with the VA home loan program in 150 and learn a thing or two. And in doing so, pass it to you. So with this episode, I can hopefully help you keep a little bit more in your bank account at the end of every month, which is critical for everyone, especially during times like these. So that's what this episode is all about. Our subject matter expert is Navy veteran John Bell. He is the deputy director of VA's Loan Guarantee Service, and he's going to break down the entire EARL program. Enjoy. Real quick question. I've seen that you've done some work on YouTube with a former guest, uh, Navy veteran Brian Burjans. Right. You uh, you get a chance to listen to his episode, his Born the Battle episode? I did. Um, he talked about some updates uh, since the VA home loan episode that we did back in episode 150, like the elimination of the zip code qualifying, how much a home loan can go up to. Was he pretty spot on to, the, to some of the updates? Oh, I, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, he certainly knows the work we put into trying to get that uh, done over – over quite a number of years and how important it is to the, uh, to our veterans to be able to purchase a home anywhere. Uh, you know, and I think that's the biggest piece to that is, um, you know, when, when veterans signed up, uh, and they, they took that oath, we never said that when they came out that they could certainly use the benefit, but only use the benefit in these certain places. So yeah. Yeah. being able to open up that aperture and allow them to, to really, Follow along the progression of their life um, has been a, an important key aspect of, of that change. Um, and we can, you know, we're starting to really see some some positive movement in that direction. Outstanding. Well, I do appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, the last time I interviewed someone from VA's Loan Guarantee Service was way back in episode 150. And that interview, I got to tell you, I got a message from one of my younger combat camera Marines from back in the day. And he was working with a nonprofit on learning about the VA home loan process. And they sent him to a resource and it was that episode. And he's like, next thing you know, he's like, I was hearing my old sergeant on the VA's podcast. So I want to let you know that 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 episode is actually being used out there by VSOs as a resource. That That is so great. And I believe you're talking about the episode with Mark Connors um, and Maxine Henry. Yes, where they broke down the v- the entire VA home loan process. The, it, without a doubt. And I actually uh, got to listen to that myself. Um, and t- they are uh, such a testament to the passionate um, individuals we have working in this program um, and, and the knowledge that, that comes with that. Uh, so I'm so glad you did it. I'm, I d- am not surprised that it's that that episode has helped um, some Um Anytime I'm asked to be able to speak for the program, of course, is is great for me because not only am I passionate about this program, but I'm I grew up in this industry. Right. Um, as soon as I got out of the out of the military, I um, went to work for a financial services um, firm right out of well, I went to college and right out of college. Actually, while I was in college, 
um, worked at a financial services firm at that point in time, the largest in the um, in the world, uh, and got to learn about mortgages uh, mm. and have been passionate for uh, the industry ever since. So um, for me, it was a logical progression, uh, you, you know, to be able to come to the VA and and, and try to to uh, uh, make real and lasting change and impact for our veterans. I like that there's so many veterans in your in your office and, and what you guys do. Before we dig into to, to the subject at hand, you, like you said, you're, you're a former Navy veteran yourself, Gulf War veteran. Uh, 30th anniversary this year, by the way, our office yeah. just did multiple stories on the Gulf War on blogs.va.gov. John, 30 years ago today, now the war had been over for a couple months. Where were you 30 years ago today? Wow. Uh so I was on a submarine tender and uh, I was had just been selected officer um, candidate school from enlisted. Oh, wow. Uh, and so I was on my way actually going from uh, Scotland to San Diego for officer candidate school at that at, at, at that time. Oh, wow. Um, so huge transition in my life. Right. You know, something that I had strived for for a long time. And uh you know, it, uh, wow. It just flooded back the memories on me. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so what we do here at born the battle, no, no worries. No, <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a long time. No worries. Now, before you became to VA, like you said, you spent 15 years in the mortgage private sector, uh, bank of America, country, countrywide home loans. Your bio said that you led the design of a new portfolio retention strategy, which became an industry leading model. I'm intrigued. It's a lot of words. I'm a Marine. Uh, <laughs> what what does that mean? Those that work with me know end user experience to me is key. Uh, and that has been my um, basically my mantra since I since I came here. You know, I'm on a mission and my mission is what does the veteran, what does the lender, what does the appraiser, um, what does the servicer, what's their experience like when they come to VA? Uh, and they're looking for service. Um, I did the same thing in the private sector, right? When I was in the private sector, I was the fixer. I was the person they sent in when things needed to, to, um, to change and whether or not that be internally, whether or not that be externally. Um, so that was a time in my life when, uh, from a portfolio retention. So it's basically, you're already on the books as a customer. How do we keep you um, happy and how do you keep you coming back as a um, as part of our really the life cycle of uh, of experience with a loan? Uh, so this and was I can, and I can see that being a difficult task, being the fact that a loan is a normally a once at 30 years, once at 15 years, unless you're refinancing proposition to try to keep that customer. Exactly. Uh, You know, well, and it's, you know, you got to approach it from a couple of different aspects. Borrowers always have questions that they're either one, scared to ask or two. And and, and worse, as the Internet has become more and more popular, you want to make sure they're getting the right information at the right time. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone is out there raising their hand and saying, come look at what, you know, what I have to say. Um and and this was my experience or this is what you should do uh you know i i feel like um we want to be the voice of the veteran we want to be that place where veterans 
are able to um, to come and ask objective questions and get you know get a response to that. And I think that the the steps that we're taking over the past um, you know seven eight years, at the same time where volume has skyrocketed, um, yeah. you know, for the program, we've really looked internally and say, how do we approach this from a people, process, technology? Um, point of view. How do we how do we train our workforce? How do we educate the community? How do we improve our technology where people want to come to VA and they want to come to VA multiple times over their lifetime? And so we have we've we've made strides in those categories just in the last couple of years. I don't know if you know this, but we went through a realignment in loan guarantee where we're trying to mirror the the uh, business sector, you know, the, the the mortgage industry, where we're more specialized uh, from a leadership standpoint. Where when issues occur, I don't have to reach out and talk to um, eight different people that do it eight different ways um, and try to get everyone on board. I have I have limited that leadership aspect where. If I have a problem, let's say in eligibility, and you're trying, and, and a veteran's trying to get their, um, you know, th- their certificate of eligibility, and there's an issue, I can pull three people in a room, and I can figure out what do I need to change, what resources do we need to put towards this to make these decisions in a faster and a quicker way. Um, so it's really becoming teaching ourselves to become agile as a, a, a as a business oriented government agency yeah. um, and and operate in that aspect because you know honestly if I was looking for a home and I'm looking to VA I want you to be that way I want yeah. you to be cutting edge I want you to be a leader in the in the housing industry I want to feel like that my um, that my service meant something and that I'm not just that place you go because no one, uh, no one else will take me. I'm that place to go because everybody wants to get in the door to use me. Exactly. That that's the mindset that, that, uh, that we have in approaching, um, you know, the delivery of this benefit. Gotcha. You were talking about eligibility. I, I noticed that you guys did reduce eligibility from wait times from two weeks to 48 hours you know, I remember my first home loan was in 2017. I remember it being pretty quick and, and that's outstanding and necessary, uh, especially when I was in Charlotte looking at homes and it was a hot market. You know, I wanted that certificate eligibility as soon as I, as soon as I could get it that way, I didn't miss out on a home that I was looking at. Yeah, without a doubt. I think it, it, it's certainly important. And I know that we can get into this a little later, you know, how the industry um, and 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 what, how the industry is performing now and, and, and what veterans are facing when they go and they try to purchase a home. Because yeah. there's a lot of competing factors out there right now that that uh, that would probably be helpful to understand why those factors are out there. Well, like, um, like what? Uh, you know, right now we've got um, very little inventory. We've got rising housing um, house prices. We've got a conventional market that has, um, you know, that offers a property inspection waiver. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of cash offers that, that are ha- that are happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got houses that are going on the market, and before they even hit the market, they're getting above um, above market price. Yeah. Um. So to compete, if you're a agency 
and you know that there are certain things that you you need to do to make sure that you know speaking for VA you know we have minimum property requirements in other words when a veteran moves into a home we want to make sure that it's safe sound and sanitary yeah right that's that's what congress has entrusted us to do yep. um, it's not just about a veteran getting into a um into the home of their dreams it's about staying in the home home of their dreams um and 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 being able to to not have to worry about uh, exposed wiring, electrocuting people, um, you yeah. know, uh, ceilings falling down around them, you know, when they're, when they've just made one of the biggest purchases of their, uh, of their life. So knowing those type of things, um, you, you know, it, it, it's about arming Im- veterans with the information that they need when they go to, uh, you know, to complete that purchase and what that process is going to look like. And to make it as efficient as possible so you can compete with that cash offer or those other other types of loans that, that are backed or – Without a doubt, right? I mean the, here's the one constant that we know. The one constant we know is interest rates on, on VA loans are lower than their competition. Yep. So we already know right off the bat that one, we have a, a, a little to no down payment loan, one of the few to offer that in the industry. On top of that – you're getting into a loan that has a lower rate than your competition. So though that VA loan is valuable to our veterans. Yes. What we got to make sure is, is that it's competitive and remains competitive through that bid process. Um, because, you know, the realtor's trying to make as much money for their um, <laughs> sellers as possible. And right? as quickly and as quickly as possible. And as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, so so some of the things that we're doing um this past year um, is that automated COE capability, certificate of eligibility capability. We actually had a 10% increase in um, in what we call automated issuance, where that means no one has to touch the um, touch the file and make a decision on the file. It's you um, you go through your lender, or you can go through eBenefits, you know, to to select your own, but we um, raised that from 65% to 75% over this last year. So 75% of the time that you go to get that certificate of eligibility, you're not having to talk to anybody. It's instantaneous. You hit, am I eligible? We, and, and, uh, and you get your eligibility. So that is a huge competitive uh, advantage for us um, because that's just a lot less time that you have to wait in which to know that you're eligible for that loan. Outstanding. Uh, speaking of recent news, uh, I recently read off a press release in a previous episode talking about the extension of the moratoriums of evictions, foreclosures, and the extension of the time to submit a CARES Act forbearance. I know many veterans, uh, many, of, many of whom have fallen on hard times, appreciate that, uh, what this is doing. What it, My question is, what, what is this doing to the entire industry and how can it affect veteran veterans buying or selling homes like a year from now. Look, these are unprecedented times, and sometimes yeah. in unprecedented unprecedented times, you have to make decisions. Yeah. Um, and I know you don't have a crystal ball. I know. I know that was a loaded question. <laughs> it it was, but look, it's not the first time that I've asked that. And to be honest with you, if I'm a veteran out there, I want to know that as well, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, 
you know, I don't know that we truly know the effect downstream. What I do know, um, meaning a year, two years from now, um, three years from now. But what we do know is what do veterans need now? Um, and the yeah. important thing is we've got to make sure when I when I when I said at the beginning that it's even it's, it's just as important for a veteran to stay in that home as it is to put them in there. Yeah, we have to give that ability to our veterans as much as we can. And while we have to make decisions um, now, um, you know, we have to also address what happens long term. And long term, we know that that there are going to be other steps that we need to to take um, to help protect them once forbearance ends. You know, at some point in time, that you know, you're going to move on on because of the you know life goes on, right? We're going to we're going to be able to get over this hump, you know. Correct. And, yeah. and so we're still working on some, uh, you know, some things for, for veterans that I, in that, um, in the process where I really can't talk about sure. you know, the, those type of things yet, um, just from a legal standpoint. And it's not set in stone or anything, I'm sure. And it, exactly. Yeah. It could change, um, overnight, but, but there's not a day that goes by that we're not thinking that two years in advance, three years in advance, um, you, you know, and those kind of things. And I hate, I can't answer that question in totality, but I, I think the main the main thing is is that there will be a you know there could definitely be a hit right I mean we know that there's going to be a backlog of foreclosures and, and and those kind of things at some point in time and it's it's a matter of us working with the other agencies all of us collectively doing what we can to. Um, Soften, you know, to, to, to help that probably. process, yeah. because what we don't want to happen is VA standing alone on an island and this benefit is somewhat um, different than everyone else when it comes to 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 that. So we're working hard to push the agenda of protection, 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 um, you know, with uh, with the other agencies so that we're going lockstep. Um, you know, with them and a collective, um, as a collective when we can. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. It's just good to know that that's, that's, that is a, a, you know, that, that's a thought that, that a lot of us are thinking about. And that's, that's something that we're working on. That's awesome. Well, John, the, re the reason I wanted to meet with you, uh, you know, for right now, you've talked about a lot of things that are happening right now in the industry. Well, for the past six months, I've noticed that rates have fallen to historic lows. Matter of fact, I'm personally being reminded of that fact every day, all the time through the mail. Use your Earl, use your Earl, use your Earl. And people are probably thinking I'm saying the name Earl. But what I'm saying is the acronym I-R-R-L. What, what are you seeing in, in the, the, the rates, the finances uh, right now? Oh, my goodness. Those that know me know where I'm going with this. So um, <laughs> Okay. It, 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 you have um, I'm, I'm very passionate about what the Earl is supposed to do. Um, and the Earl is there to put you to put our veterans in a better financial situation and to take advantage when those situations come. Right? Correct. It is there for you to save half a point on uh, on your interest rate that you already have. It is there for to lower your monthly payment. It is not there to be used as a loss mitigation option. Um, you, yeah. you know, and what do you mean by it's that? also in other words, it's not it, it's not. It's not designed to be there to skip payments. 
right? Good. Because it only puts you further behind. Yeah. And when we talk about short term versus long term, the financial impact of those type of decisions put you in a worse situation than it would if you are do if you are taking out an earl for the right reasons. And there are tons of great reasons why you would want to use an interest rate reduction refinance loan. Okay. What are what are what are some good times to, to refinance? Um, you just mentioned the, the a great time, right? And and that's when interest rates are at all time lows, and you haven't refinanced for a while. It is when you know that you can save on a monthly payment, and one either cover your own closing costs when you go to that refinance, yeah. um, and not continue to stack on closing costs. Because to be honest with you, earls are always pretty good if you're going to lower your interest rate. And you and you can bring your closing costs to the table and not roll those closing costs into the loan. It's always going to put you. It's always advantageous to use that. And there's not a there's not a a set number of times you can use it as long as you wait six months in between the time of the old loan versus the time of the new loan. You can you can refinance multiple times. But where it really hurts you is when you are refinancing multiple times to save like an interest rate or save in a monthly payment and you keep rolls, rolling those closing costs in. Sure. Because at the end of the time, the long-term impact on interest is what always kills you. Shorter term is always the best route to go. Um, that is the less interest that you're going to, going to pay um, uh, uh, over the life of that loan. So if you keep going back to a 30-year term, yeah, keep resetting the clock. And, and you're rolling closing costs on top of that. You you know, you're just you're setting yourself for long-term failure. My uncle always tells me and he and he retired in his 40s. God bless him. He always tells me do the math. Do the math, Tanner. Uh how much are closing costs? And he always asks me how much are closing costs. And he always says do the math. How long are you going to stay in that house? And, and he's like, okay, if you're going to pay this much in closing costs and you're going to save this much money month in your monthly payment, this is how many months you need to stay in that home to make it worthwhile. Great advice. Couldn't say it better myself because that is exactly what you should be doing every time you're looking um, at refinancing your loan. Um, even on a cash out, right? I mean, you can do a cash out refinance loan. Yeah. Um, cash out refinance loan is a little different because at that point in time, you're going to be under fully underwritten, um, you know, versus an interest rate reduction refinance loan where you're, you're not under, um, you're not going through the full underwriting, um, phase. It's basically, I want to do an interest rate reduction refinance loan. I'm going to sign my name. We're going to refinance the loan at a lower uh, at a lower interest rate. That's what yeah. it's set up for. Yeah, a cash out loan. If you're going to pull equity from your home, what I would look to is what are the net tangible benefits that you're going to get out out of doing that cash out, right? What are, what are some concrete reasons why you actually need that money to pull out of your equity of your home and utilize it? And there may be, um, and there are good reasons for you to do that. But like your uncle said, you gotta you gotta write those reasons down. You gotta do your pros and cons. You've got to. It, it really comes to an individual need at that point in time as to um, whether or not it makes financial sense for you to do it. And you know what? It might not make immediate financial sense, but it might it might mean that you need an extra bedroom on your home. It might mean you need. 
um, you know, to to utilize that money for um, for some health need, um, you know, for your family that if you don't have it, then really bad things could occur. Um, so I think that there are specific times where equity can be used in your home for good. It's just sure. a matter of does it make does the need outweigh the dollars and cents of things? And so just if my advice to anyone that's listening is just exactly what your uncle told you to do. Sit down, have a plan, figure out whether or not the cost of this long term, the cost of taking out this equity long term outweighs, um, you know, staying put. Yeah. So I personally, I've, I've considered both. And uh, so what you're saying is don't take a home equity loan to buy a Mustang and have fun. Take a, take a home equity loan out to either improve the house to make it even worth even more uh, before you sell. That, that, I've, been, I've been told that that's a good option. Or like you said, to, to pay a health benefit and you can afford the loan payment and, and what, it, what it could be. Um, and then the rate reduction, like you said, the Earl's, uh, again, historic lows, thought it'd be a good time to, to, to broach this subject. But I think it is important that, and you did you did say it every that every time you refinance, you're resetting that clock, whether it be a 15 year loan or a 30 year loan. You have to be cognizant of that, without a doubt. And I would al- always look um, if you have the financial means, always look at a lower term if you can. Um, now, granted, in this marketplace, in this marketplace right now, because rates are so low on 30s. On 30-year fix, yeah. really difficult to get in a 15-year fix that's different. Tracking. Right? Normally, a 15-year fixed rate is going to be lower than your 30-year fixed rate. Yeah. In a market like this, they're about the same. So, um, but again, it's also long-term interest. So, if you're going to um, – so, you have to – you just have to, to marry is the interest that you're going to save worth – having the same rate that you would on a 30 year, or do you want to take out a 30 year and you figure out how you want to pay that mortgage, whether or not you want to make an extra principal payment a year, um, you know, or send a little extra every month, um, that will cut down on that interest as well and do the same thing. Gotcha. Um, okay. So how do Earl's work? Where do you start? Like in the, is it like, is it like a normal, Home loan, like we talked about in 150, where you start with the certificate of eligibility, start with a prequal with a, with with the lender. How where do you start on like when you're like, okay, I want to do an Earl. Well, first of all, I would like to to, to think that uh, that you're able to to start, but but being a veteran and having a VA home loan myself, um, as as do you, you know, we know we're flooded with those Earl um, uh, <laughs> sure. mailers, like like seventeen a day, right? Uh, and and so we're trying to. Um, I, I will tell you this: that we're trying to work with CFPB you know, in other agencies to help us understand um, and, and, and enforce, you know, some limitations to those, to those mailers. It's just, it just gets really hard and really foggy because yeah, a lot of those mailers you're not getting from lenders. You're getting from what's called lead aggregators. I got, I got, I got one from somebody in a local town and I had a business card on it. And I was like, you're not a bank, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. 
So I, I know all I know is that rates are really good right now to do an Earl, but I don't even know where to start. Almost everybody knows a lender. Um, if not, you know a realtor. I would ask their, you know, their advice on, you know, if they know, you know, good lenders that do VA loans, because that's the what we find is the biggest issue is you may have the best company in the world, but if they don't if they don't know how to do a VA loan, um, you know, it, it, it just brings confusion to the process that you don't necessarily need to have in the process. I mean, the VA loan, it closes in the same amount of time than any other loan closes. It has a lower interest rate than other loans. Our, um, if you look and you compare, um, VA loans to the conventional market space from a, um, you know, debt ratio, credit, um, you know, credit score, even though we don't have a credit score requirement. Um, but all of those, all of those factors line up, right? We call them characteristics. So VA is not so much different than everybody else, but it's a matter of the, um, the time that it takes, uh, to do them. And the knowledge of the lender knowing what to do when it comes to a VA loan. Correct. You have got to feel comfortable with your with your lender. It is not. Here's the other advice. It's not all about rate. It's 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 about comfortability with the person that you're working with. It's about the comfortability with the program on whether or not they have the experience with 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 VA. What you see when rates are as low as they are, you may get an eighth of a point here or an eighth of a point there better. But the time that it takes to close your loan may increase by two to three months, depending <laughs> upon what type of lender that, that you're choosing. OK, what's your time worth? What's your time worth? That's 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 what it that's a question you should ask yourself. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And the same thing goes for purchases, too. Right. We, we, we just talked about refinances. But for purchases, um, you know, if, if you're going to purchase a home, um, you know, it, you're going to have realtors that that suggest you lenders to, to work with. Does that mean you have to d- use that lender? No, it's the options up to you. But if you feel comfortable and you know that they, you know, I think some key questions that you should ask, uh, you know, whenever you get that lender on the phone is how many VA loans do you close in a, in a year? Um you know, how familiar are you with the COE process? Are, am I, do I need to get the COE or are you going to get the COE? And if a lender tells you that you have to get the COE, it's probably not the lender you want to use yeah. because they haven't done many VA loans. Yeah. Every lender I've dealt with seems to, they know how to get the COE on your behalf. So yeah, um, that's kind of like a basic thing that, yeah, that is a good question. A good basic question to ask your lender. Um so when it comes to refinancing your home to do an Earl, is it pretty, if, if the lender knows what they're doing, is it pretty similar to what we talked about in episode 150 as far as the process? It is. It okay. is. It's even, it's even quicker most of, most of the time. Okay. The, what has, the only thing that holds up an Earl from being able to close in probably 20 or less days at this point in time is mm-hmm. because just the sheer number and volume that the lender is, is, is going through holistically. Because interest rates are so low. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, closing a refinance, closing an Earl. Uh, I know there are some closing costs. You're not going to, you're not going to get a lower rate without, without a little something. Uh, what fees are negotiable? What isn't negotiable? 
you talked about rolling it. Mm-hmm. You talked about rolling it in your loan, and talked about not rolling in your loan. I didn't know. I didn't even know that wasn't even an option. All right. So, so this is a really, really good question. Um, and and first of all, let me start off by saying there are a ton of lenders out there that do not charge lender fees on Earls. There are a ton of lenders out there that don't charge lender fees on purchases for VA. Um, you know, and that would be one of those questions I would ask, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, and we're talking about lender fees. What we're not talking about are third party fees. So, what third party fees are, are title. Um, you know, they would be appraisal, uh, uh, appraisal. Um, but any, well, underwriting would be a lender fee because okay. that underwriter would work for the lender, right? But, um, anything that the lender themselves isn't doing, um, would be a, would be a, um, third party fee. Credit, um, you know, credit is a third party fee, right? Um, but an underwriting fee, a processing fee, or anything like that, those are, those are what's, those are the lender fees. Um, you know, and, and we do allow up to 1%, um, uh, you know, in, in, in most cases. Um, but that would be a question I would ask because not all lenders charge those lender fees um, yeah. to do VA loans. Do they, but, but things like, like you said, but like title writing, that's a third party. Uh, are there taxes involved? Um, I'm probably pretty sure at some point. Um, there are taxes and insurance from an escrow standpoint, yeah. um, but they do not charge you to escrow. So this is another mi- big misnomer is that um, the VA requires you to escrow or the VA doesn't require you to escrow. Escrowing is between you and the lender. And if the lender does escrow that into your payment, so the taxes and insurance um, you know, into, into your payment. <laughs> Um, that's for a service because to be honest with you, it is safer for them to do that than for you to say, oh my goodness, I forgot to pay my taxes this year. And now you've got a problem where you might be looking at a lien or, or something else that could creep up that could affect, um, that, that title. Uh, I, I I would, I would much rather. Uh, send the entire mortgage plus taxes to the lender and just have the lender handle that business. I uh, do personally. I have yeah. always done it. Um, y- you know, what's good for me, I would hope would be good for others, uh, especially being in this business literally my entire life, other than being in the military. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do as well. But that is not a charge. They, the lender will not charge you for that. That is not a fee. There's not a fee to play. Um, yeah. You know, to, to do that, they are they literally calculate the taxes and the insurance for a certain number of months. They keep that in an escrow account and they pay your taxes and insurance from that escrow account. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would rather. I mean, I can I can imagine if a lender did have a fee, there's there's an immediate competitive advantage for another lender. To go, no, we do. We do escrow for free. Uh, outstanding. Now, condo and, a, and and HOA, those may not – you may have to pay those directly. Um, you, you know, they, they normally don't escrow for those, but – I have to pay a CDA as well. And here we're getting into personal stuff. I got to pay a CDA, a community development assessment tax. That's not in my escrow account. I need to get in my escrow account. But that's all working with your lender, right? Yeah, don't you don't you love that? I mean, I love to be honest with you. I love the terms that they come up with, right? Like I think now some of them are called regime fees. 
right? So, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we see, you know, just the, uh, what, what you see, um, you know, whether or not it's HOA or, or condo or, or whatever, just, just some of that terminology cracks me up. But, um, you know, the, we, most of us pay them. Um, and, 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 uh, it's, I guess it's just a way of life. And, and that's no matter whether or not you're a veteran or not a veteran. Tracking, tracking. Yeah. Clo- the closing, the closing fees, uh, I, I guess, like I said, um, I didn't know you can roll that into your loan. Uh, that's probably just a lender conversation between you and your lender, whether that they do that or not. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Tracking. Okay. Um, rates. Everyone always wants to talk about rates. What is an effective way to shop for the best rate and avoid predatory lending? I know that's probably two separate questions, um, but I had it written here as one. <laughs> I, I, again, love this question as well, because I think something needs to be said about when you shop online for an interest rate. And let's just say you go to um, money.com or, you know, to, to, gosh, pick the 1700 probably um, websites out there that offer you an interest rate comparison. Um most of those are done in an 80%, so 20% down, um, oh, yeah, and yeah. the highest credit score um, that you have. So say it at above an 800 credit score or above a 760 credit score. So so when you see those published rates, they may be a little different than – Based on um, your credit. What, based on, based your, on your credit, based on – yeah, the, the type of loan. Again, though, what we have found um, – you know, historically, um, especially lately, is that uh, with VA, uh, even at no money down, um, is very, very competitive, if not a quarter point lower than most than most other um, uh, refinance loan products. Yeah. yeah. Oh, refinance or purchase. Um, yeah, I've noticed that, you know, I'll tell I'll tell the story again. I told it in 150. I personally went to three of my more trusted VA loan lenders out there in the marketplace and just went through the process with all three of them and then let them bid against each other. (laughs) (laughs) Would you recommend that strategy or (laughs) is there another way to go to to shop for a rate that maybe is a little bit more efficient? (laughs) I, I, I will tell you maybe to a point, but at some point you also have to realize that, um, you know, these lenders, they're not working. Most of them don't work off salary. Most of them work off commission. That's yeah. the only way they get paid. Oh, wow. And so they want you to get the lowest rate. You know, it, it doesn't behoove them because they don't get it used to be in the old days where, you know, there was your par rate and then how much ever above that. Then you got to. But, um, you know, you got maybe more money, um, you know, th- th- since the 90s, though, those those are we don't see that as much uh, because CFPB certainly um, from a disclosure standpoint uh, has, has really cut down on that type of behavior. Um, again, I would say that in almost every circumstance, like the difference in an interest rate is a eighth, a quarter of a point here and there for most of your reputable lenders anyway. And you just see very little difference. I don't know what your experience was, but you should have seen very interesting. It was very interesting. uh, (laughs) You know, what you may see is what they do, what, what they'll do sometimes is they will, 
they will charge you in in another way. So say it's a discount point or it is a yeah. um, origination right. fee or it's those or it's those lender fees where they're making up the difference in those in, in, in other ways. Oh, oh, trust me. I was negotiating those as well. Um, yeah. I, I did see a difference in about a, a quarter to a half a percent on, on some of them. Um, wow. Half yeah. a percent of that. I, now this I was, actually, this was three years ago. This wasn't, mm. this wasn't anytime soon. This wasn't like what rates are now. Okay. You know, so, but, uh, or actually no, it was a couple years ago. This was on this, this home build, but uh, yeah, that, so, you know, maybe it's different now, but uh, I didn't know if there was a, a, a more efficient way to shop for a, a rate because, again, you got to go through the process to get the actual rate. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's nothing wrong with using the Internet as a guide, right? But just know that those aren't going to be your actual rate when you exactly. go to a, when you go to a lender. It's almost like I'll give you an example of this for those of you that use um, like and and I do myself right from a, a if if you've ever heard of leading indicators versus lagging indicators right so so these online credit bureaus that you can pull yourself um, you know these companies that 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 you pay to do so um, uh, they're fine as long as you know what you're getting um, they are a good leading indicator to whether or not you have good credit or not right. But what they aren't is a replacement for what the mortgage company is going to pull because there are a lot of other factors that a mortgage company is looking at other yeah. than just credit card debt and how you pay down on your credit card debt. Yeah. Because a lot of those – a lot of the criteria for that is really heavily weighted on how much of your um, payment – that you uh, sorry, how much of your overall balance on your credit cards you pay every month down, mm. and so that not that may or may not necessarily transcend into what your mortgage credit score is going to look like. So again, good leading indicators. Same way with um, you know with interest rates. Just be wary that it's not the end all be all, and what you see online might not necessarily transcend exactly um, X's to X's, apples to apples to, 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 to what you see, um, what, what you get from the lender. Talking about those mailers, uh, you know, the, it was it was a good way for me to understand what the rates were, what rates are going to that, you know, they're at a 50 year low or whatever. But how do you avoid the predatory ones and making sure you're, you're picking the right one? Because, you know, I've looked at some and I'm like, OK, I know I know that name. I saw that name on TV. Uh, this one, I have no idea, but the rate is really low. Uh, and this one, again, like I said, was like, uh, this one's really low, but this is a business card from a, a local person in town. What's, what's, how do you, how do you decipher some of these mailers that people, a lot of people are getting? I, I personally, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but I, I personally, I've never used a mailer to uh, to get a mortgage, right? I just yeah. haven't. Um, I, I I would rather initiate. I'd rather be proactive. I you know we all we all have banks or yep. credit unions, you know, and you know Navy Federal or USAA or Bank of America or whatever. I think those are really good starting points. Um, know that they aren't necessarily. Um, 
you know, they don't necessarily just specialize in mortgage though, right? So that might not be the lowest rate. It might not be the fastest um, closing or it may, but just know that, you know, um, uh, transactional, you know, banking and, and those kind of things are, are, are carry a heavy weight with, with them um, in other areas and maybe not mortgage, but, but being proactive and you knowing the actual company that you are dealing with and finding a, you know, kind of like where rates are yeah. um, probably would be a little, a little better for you to do. And then word of mouth, um, it, you know, expertise, you know, those kind of things. And I would just marry those two together to find what you feel comfortable with from a, um, from an individual. Better, better business bureau is a good, is a good, better probably. business bureau yeah. is, is, is a good one. CFPB, um, you know, has a lot of really good tools on their website, which is the consumer financial protection bureau. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're another good place to start. We actually, on our website, we list um, volume um, by lender. So you can actually see what lender is, um, how lenders are performing and just doing VA. Wow. Um, so that, you know, that could give you an indication of, of kind of who's experienced in offering VA, you know, VA loans. Um, but what it doesn't do, and I want to make sure that people understand that while we are, while we're putting those numbers out there, those, that's just volume. That is not, um, quality, an indication of quality. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Very good. Um, okay, John, uh, is there anything that I've missed in terms of Earl or forgot to ask you that you think it's important for veterans to, to know? Just be, just be careful. I love what your uncle said because that is so true. Uh, you know, in um, making good decisions when you when it comes to refinancing, um, do the math. You know, <laughs> it, 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 you got to do the math, and you also got to do you got to understand the decision you're making in the short term and the consequences in the long term. Not saying earls or refinances is not a good thing. They are a great tool. They are a, a, a great thing to have in your in your back pocket. I would just be tactical when I use them. But my other thing is, is if you have not used us, um, you have not used your benefit, then you don't know what you're missing out on, because I still say that it is the most competitive um, and and the best option um, for veterans out there, um, whether or not you're purchasing or your or your refinancing. So if you haven't tried us do, um, and we would love to hear your, um, your feedback and your experience, because again, end user experience is, is probably one of the most important things that, uh, that we look at on a daily basis. I was able to use the VA home loan two years ago to buy our home with zero money down. I was amazed that there was so much in place to really help the veterans and the VA serves as that catalyst for all those resources. Choose VA today. Visit VA.gov. I want to thank Mr. Bell for taking the time to come on War in the Battle and breaking down this extremely useful benefit for so many veterans, especially right now. You can find more information about the interest rate reduction refinance loan program at VA.gov forward slash 
housing hyphen assistance forward slash home hyphen loans forward slash loan hyphen types forward slash interest hyphen rate hyphen reduction hyphen loan. It's a long URL and I'll make sure that it's in the blog for this episode on blogs.va.gov. In addition, also call some of your preferred lenders to get some insight on how they execute the VA interest rate reduction refinance loan. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week was provided by VA's Veteran of the Day program. Every day, our digital media team honors a veteran with a short write-up on all of our social media platforms on blogs.va.gov. You can submit your own Veteran of the Day by emailing a photo or two and a short write-up to newmedia at va.gov. Roger Welt grew up in Modesto, California and studied medicine in college. The Army drafted Welt in November of 1967, and he reported to boot camp at Fort Lewis, Washington. Although he learned how to fly helicopters at Fort Walters, Texas, Welt decided to go to Vietnam as an infantryman. In October of 1968, he went to the 90th Replacement Battalion at Tan Son Nut Air Base, and I hope I said that right, near Saigon, before receiving new orders. Walt then served as a rifleman at a fire support base with a mechanized unit of the 25th Infantry Division, 4th Battalion, 23rd Regiment. The unit's mission was to block North Vietnamese troops from coming through the Ho Chi Minh Trail. While there, a captain from a different unit asked Walt if he knew how to operate a camera. The captain handed Walt a new Minolta SRT-101, and a week later, Walt found himself in a new role as the battalion combat correspondent. As a correspondent, Walt experienced a great deal of independence, of course. His assignments included talking to civilian journalists and writing soldier profiles for their hometown newspapers. His work appeared in newspapers such as Tropic Lightning News and Stars and Stripes. Welt received three Bronze Star Medals, an Army Commendation Medal, and a Combat Infantryman Badge. After Welt discharged in 1969, United Press International offered him a job to continue covering the war. But Welt turned it down and attended Idaho State University. He decided to switch majors from journalism to Parks and Recreation Management. After graduating, he became a National Park Ranger at Yellowstone National Park. Welt then worked for the YMCA in Santa Maria, California, and he earned his master's degree in counseling from California Polytech State University in 1974, before moving to Micronesia, where he met his wife. In 1984, he graduated from the University of San Francisco with a doctorate degree. Welt worked for Lake Tahoe Community College for 13 years and then moved to Saipan in the Northern Mariana Islands. He returned to Santa Maria and worked at Allen Hancock College as the Vice President of Student Services until his retirement in 2009. Today, Welt lives in Orcutt, California, and enjoys home landscaping, gardening, and both international and domestic travel. Army veteran Roger Welt, thank you for your service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcatching app known to phone, computer, tablet, or man. 
For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, Pinterest, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because the song you're hearing now is called Machine Gunner, which is courtesy of the nonprofit Operation Song, and was written by Marine veteran Mark Milkilhenny, Nashville songwriter Jason Seaver, and Michael Duncan. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you right here next week. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine gun. Firefight bullets fly to my brain. Simplify till we die another campaign. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a 7.62 round that'll cut them down in an instant. Made bullet in my back, raining down lead, punching that clock. Get 'em, boys, I'm laying down cover. Machine gunner, bullets fly to my brain. Simplify, do or die, another campaign. Here we go, lock and load. Oh, 331, lug a thousand rounds, and I ain't bringing back one.